Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Crime Time on FayObserver.com, featuring Fable Observer police and crime reporter Nancy McCleary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news and hearing from some of those involved. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. There have been at least two threats of shootings at Cumberland County schools within the past week. Fortunately, nothing happened at Pine Forest or Grays Creek High Schools, but the threats did lead to arrest by the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office. 16-year-old Marcus Harris Earl James was charged with making a false report of mass violence on education property at Pine Forest. 17-year-old Christopher Tavon Mitchell of Grays Creek was charged with the same offense. State statutes say such a threat is false because the person making the statement knows it is not true. Nancy, threats by students have happened before, but in the wake of the Valentine's Day school shooting in Florida, it seems authorities are taking the threats more seriously and now charging those that make those threats. Have you noticed a difference in law enforcement's approach to this? I have. um, I don't recall uh, students having been charged with felonies. Um, These these guys are charged with felonies. my experience has been that if charges were filed it was a misdemeanor and most of the time it was handled in-house by the school um, with the student generally suspended or expelled either one Um, i think i think they have to get tougher um, because the shooting in florida shows what can happen and better safe than sorry you just you don't know what's credible and what's not anymore yeah that's certainly the attitude across the country today in both of these cumberland county cases the students were alleged to have made statements about planning for a shooting on campus some people overheard the threats reported those threats to administration law enforcement was contacted also on thursday march 1st Westover High School was placed on lockdown because of suspected threats. It was being investigated by the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office. Well, Nancy, our next story is about the series of cold cases, unsolved Cape Fear mysteries that will appear in the Sunday, March 4th edition of the Fayetteville Observer and online at fayobserver.com. It's a case out of Bladen County where authorities and families still do not know what happened to Judy Hyder who went missing in December 2015. Here's Bladen County Sheriff's Lieutenant Rodney Warwick. The only thing that I can say with certainty is that she disappeared on December the 7th. She was last seen on December the 7th. Um, And um, she hasn't been seen since. Um, Again, I don't think that she is missing of her own accord. uh, And uh, we have uh, followed leads, um, and uh, the, we've exhausted many of the leads as to um, her whereabouts. 
and um, we're continuing this investigation. Nancy, if you can, give us an overview of this case. You spoke with family members of Judith Hyder. Tell us what you found out about Judith Hyder's disappearance and how all this came about uh, about three years ago. Judith Hyder was living with a couple uh, who were friends of hers, and she was staying with them. Um, She had been staying with them for about a year, and December 7th of 2015 is when she went missing. It's the last time that she was seen and what they what the investigators know is that there was an acquaintance um of the couple that she was staying with and um a man and and judith hyder knew this man and he um apparently had vehicle problems and needed a ride to his house and so she agreed to drive him there and that's the last known sighting of her the car was found um within several hundred feet of where she was staying with the friends it was behind a mobile home um in kind of a a a woodline area there was no sign of forced entry into the vehicle um i think some of her belongings were still in there um and it's just um it's just like she vanished it just uh that nobody has any ideas um her family she has two daughters and she has a sister and they are still devastated by her disappearance you can certainly understand that i know in bladen county there has been searches for uh, judith Hyder over the years nothing so far did you get any feeling from uh, lieutenant warwick that that they're they're really close to anything or is it still just totally unsolved i know he keeps a kind of a reminder on his desk uh, to keep the case going he does he he has a um it's one of those plastic drink cups and it's got a fuchsia colored flower um with a yellow center on it and above it it's like a piece of a tape across it and it says judy hyder and what lieutenant warwick told me was that he keeps that on a book on a bookcase or shelf behind his desk as a reminder that he's not going to forget the case just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any information about Hyder's disappearance, uh, Lieutenant Warbrick would appreciate you letting him know. They should call the uh, Blaine County Sheriff's Office and let them know that they have information that they would like to share with the Sheriff's Office concerning uh, Miss Hyder. And uh, if they would leave their information, if they would like to remain anonymous or, you know, just anything that that they can share with us to help us uh, resolve this case uh, and learn about her whereabouts, um, I would strongly encourage that they do that. The phone number of the Bladen County Sheriff's Office is 910-862-6960, 862-6960. 
you know, speaking of cold case arrest, one thing that the Hyder case shows in this other case that we talked about last week is law enforcement do not let these go away. I mean, it may be 15 years, it may be 20 years, it may be 25 years, even though it's not out there in the public so much like it was at one time when, when these cases came about, they stay involved, even if it is kind of behind the scenes or maybe years before they get back to it. They will not, as I have learned um, doing this series, they do not forget. Uh, a lot of times they say all that's needed is some fresh, fresh set of eyes looking at the cases to see that something somebody else may have overlooked. Sometimes it's um, more testing that's available now that wasn't um, even as recently as 10 or 15 years ago. You know, they've, they've come a long way with the forensic testing. So let's, let's get a follow-up from last week's segment about cold cases. Isaac McDonald has been extradited from Arkansas, brought back to Cumberland County to face a first-degree murder charge for the killing of Janet Lorraine Norris in April 2002. Norris's body was found stuffed inside her car that had been abandoned in a field off U.S. 301. Nancy, uh, Mr. McDonald, back in town now. Bring us up to date on that case, one of the, one of the first Cape Fear mysteries that uh, you did and uh, led to an arrest. Mr. McDonald was flown back um, to Cumberland County from Arkansas um, Wednesday morning on a State Bureau of Investigation plane, is what I was told. Um, I happened to be at the magistrate's office when they were processing him, and he was sat very quietly, um, didn't say anything. Um, But they had to hold him without bail at that point because he was indicted, and the grand jury, since they had indicted him, his bond hearing had to go before a superior court judge, and that's why it went this morning. And I was unable to cover it this morning, so Monica Vendatui stepped in, and um, she said that they said they said you know without bail, um, Mr. McDonald has some some health issues. Um, uh, Monica learned that he was a registered sex offender in Arkansas. And that was because he had a conviction for intentionally giving someone the HIV AIDS virus. Um, And that was in 2009. So he's going to be held actually at Central Prison in Raleigh because he requires uh, dialysis treatment like three times a week. And they are equipped to handle that um, at Central Prison up in Raleigh. We'll see how this case turns out as it moves its way through the court system. I know the family of uh, Ms. Norris at least is getting some uh, comforts, probably not the correct word, but some some relief, closure. Uh, closure that, okay, at least the process is beginning. Well, let's look at one from the courtroom. Uh, 17-year-old Restlin Martin was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years after pleading guilty for, to first-degree murder in the death of his 63-year-old grandfather, Joseph Emmett Nolte, with a hatchet in August 2016. 
Martin had lived with his grandfather in the village of Rockfish subdivision off Tom Starling Road. Martin's father, Joseph Ezekiel Nolte, also lived there. Superior Court Judge Jim Ammons could have sentenced Martin to life without parole, but said during sentencing that the adults in charge of his life failed him on many levels almost since the moment of his birth. Testimony during the trial showed that Martin had had an abusive relationship with his grandfather. A true sad story there. Anything from the crime blotter, Nancy, you care to share? Well, I ran across an odd one this week um, in the police reports. Apparently, a driver for a local uh, pizza company was delivering a pizza on Hot Dog Street. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know there was a Hot Dog Street? I had no clue there was a Hot Dog Street, Um, but there really is. It's off Camden Road uh, and Vita drive it runs between them okay so yes there is a hot dog street i don't know it might get chilly on there sometimes (laughs) well played well played and so uh you know i would say uh the person who's allegedly robbed the pizza driver he's a real weenie (laughs) all right we'll be here each week what a way to wrap it up you think that's enough for this week i do (laughs) i do too That's it for edition five of Crime Time. Be sure to tell folks about this weekly feature on FayObserver.com. Nancy and I thank you for that and for spreading the word about the show. We welcome your comments and suggestions. You can reach Nancy by email at nmcclary at FayObserver.com or on Twitter at F-O underscore McClary. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at FayObserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.